Welcome to The Kindness Project, the podcast designed to share stories of kindness and share how kindness can make positive change in our world, one small act at a time. This week on The Kindness Project, we talk about circus skills, memorable meals, and we have part one of our interview with Tamina Mirza. Welcome, one and all, to another episode of The Kindness Project. Were you a town crier? Welcome, one and all! No, I'm a circus master. Okay. Um, you are. Me and Russ are performing chibs. Uh yeah, you guys are the you guys are part of the um the ensemble of uh oddities that I <laughs> Who's the bearded ladies? It's clearly Russell. <laughs> <laughs> Russell's the bearded Oh no! Sophia with a drive-by insult. It's clearly you, Charlotte. I'll have um, you know I shaved my chin the other day. Right, so what? What if we Still were... Unofficial question the podcast, ladies and gents. Feel free to answer uh, anyway, but no um, no tickets are available. Uh, no prizes are available like any normal podcast. If you were in a circus, what act would you do? What act would you do? I would be the ringmaster. I'd just stand in the middle and announce yeah, things yeah. loudly. I, 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 I like the idea of having a ringmaster's outfit. Actually. I have one. Have you? I did. She does. I had to get rid of it because it was too small. But I did at one point have a ringmaster's outfit. And what, what role would you play, Russ? Lion tamer. Lion tamer? Why lion tamer? I like lions. They're quite majestic. That, they are. I mean, as animals go... I think lions are probably the most majestic um, uh, animal. And what should I be in the uh, in the thing? Do what you normally do. Be the clown. <laughs> do do what I normally. Be the clown. That's obviously the clown. Send in the clowns. Sorry, Ralph. What did you say? Tightrope walker. Tightrope walker. Without, without a safety wire. Or next. <laughs> I tell you what, genuinely, genuinely, I mean, because of my... Clearly the clapping seal. Because of, of my ear thing, because I've got a bit, a little bit of an uh, ear injury. So, because right, I've got a little bit of an ear injury, um, I'm, uh, I, my balance isn't particularly good. But one thing I would try, definitely, and you can do this, is um, circus skills. So you can go to a circus and learn different circus skills, That's like juggling. I learned how to balance a plate on a stick. Really? Did it work? Yeah. All of a plate spinner. Yeah. Amazing. Good stuff. And we are also joined by the littlest, uh, but not for long, member of the Kindness Project's podcast hosting family. It's Sophie. How are we doing, Sophie? Good. Good. So you'd be a you'd be <laughs> you'd be a uh, uh, master. I'd be a jester clown. clown. Yeah. Uh, Sophie would be spinning plates. No, I'd be um, oh, And oh, Russ would be the bearded lady. We're, we're all sorting <laughs> now. We're job done. Job, job done. Anyway, <laughs> anyway, on that note, um, oh let's talk about what we've got up to uh, this week in terms of question of the podcast. Um, I want to talk about memorable meals. So the question this uh, this week is, what's the most memorable meal you've ever had? And I think I've had two. Uh, I had a, and they're both involved, no, actually three, all involving 
seafood, right? Mm-hmm. Number one, flying back from Kuala Lumpur mm-hmm. um, in a little restaurant overlooked with, uh, looking at um, the Petronas Towers, which are the two uh, big towers with a bridge across in Kuala Lumpur. We had, and I was over there with my dad, uh, we had, we had um, uh, an amazing seafood meal. Mm-hmm. So it was uh, an ice bucket with just loads and loads of like oysters and um, mussels, mm. uh, just this bucket full of, I mean, I'm not selling it really, really my bucket of seafood, but it was this like ice on a bed of ice. It was absolutely amazing. Um, and then uh, I suppose that's probably one of my favourites. Um, was it the last time you went to the local Wimpy? I don't like the Wimpy. So, sorry, did you... The only wimpy I've ever been in and eaten in, it smelled like the toilets in the entire restaurant. And it just, it wasn't a great experience. Right, I, I'm sorry. Uh, Ras will tell you off in a minute, Charlotte, because I know personally he's a big fan of a bender in a bun, isn't he, Ras? And you can only get a bender in a bun in a wimpy. I don't know, well, <laughs> huh? I don't think I've ever been in a wimpy. Oh, you've got to try a bender in a bun, Russ. Stop. At least once. Stardog. No. A what dog? Stardog? A hot dog. Yeah, that's what that's all it is. But it's just... No. They, you know they, they have no skill at naming things. And you think they'd look at the names on their menu and think, oh, maybe some of these should be updated. But no, benders in a bun. Brown <laughs> derby. Yeah. I, I, I mean, they could have named their... Banana covered in chocolate sauce, banana surprise, or you know something good. Instead, Russ in Wimpy, they call the banana covered in chocolate the brown derby. It's like now, they've taken, they've gone out, killed a brown horse, and put it on a plate for you, like. Yeah, and everybody knows that horses don't. It's a big old banana, then, isn't it? <laughs> it is. All shapes as well. That was weird. Um, but yeah, no, it's uh, in terms of naming uh, functions, code, so what's yours then? If it's not um, a wimpy and you're not keen on a brown derby, what are you going to have? I think one of the um, most memorable like dinners I've ever had was my birthday. I think I was, I think it was my 16th. Okay. Might have been my 16th or my 17th, but I can't remember. Uh, and we were at the place in Paul Church, uh, and they do really good lasagna. <laughs> so the best meal you've ever eaten at is no, a lasagna. Because, not because of the food. It was just a really nice night. Yeah. Uh, and uh, we had paperwork as well. Um, oh, yeah. I can't remember... <laughs> I can't, I can't remember what that, that was a cake, wasn't it, yeah. that we were pretending was paperwork. Yeah, so I think I think you're right. I think some of the Bears bills that aren't about the meal, yeah. they're about the memory, aren't yeah. they? Yeah. Like, the memories uh, that come with it. Me and one of my friends, there's a place uh, about 45 minutes out from here, uh, from home, and just like, we go and sit and we have a chat and just yeah. like... Yeah, yeah, it's about the company. Yeah. To, to a certain extent. Ross, what's your favourite meal about? I'm I'm not really sure to be honest. No, I don't go out any much. So that's fine, Russell. You do you. You do you, Russ. You do you. Yeah, with your your wonky wrist and all that sort of stuff. What um what what um what's your favourite meal in? Because actually, 
with a, with a, with a, even with you, Wonky Wrist, with a man of your talents uh, in the kitchen, yeah. you don't need to eat out, yeah. So, what's your favourite meal when to cook yourself? So, Kenny once cooked me bread and butter pudding. That was fabulous. Oh, yes. Yeah. Is, is uh, bread and butter oh. pudding better than bread pudding? Uh, about on a well, path. Same thing. Know, about on a path. Right, okay, fair enough. But um, I think the best bread pudding I've ever had was the one Nanny made. Oh, yeah. You know what? And then... Uh, and I know, I know, I'm probably putting a bit of a like haze of optimistic nostalgia on this because oh, you know, like the the amount of people turn around and things were better when we were kids. When in reality, they probably weren't. But you just remember them in a different way. I mean, um, uh, the the reality is, um, uh, I remember Nan's omelets and Nan's bread and butter pudding. Yeah. Was being absolutely amazing. I, I, think, I think it was Robert Tomlitz and Ben's yeah, yeah. But yeah, yeah, I think you do remember. And I always remember as a kid, well, my nan, my nan on my dad's side, um, used to have a sweet room, like literally, yeah. it was like a little larder just was, full of yeah. chocolate bars and stuff like that. It was, a, it was amazing. Yeah. It was right it was at the end of the hallway, wasn't it? It was. It was. I think all nans have got a natural tendency just to feed you up sweets, don't they? That's that's a nan thing to do. Or tea. Or tea. tea. Or both. <laughs> or both. Um, so, yeah. So, let us know uh, what your favourite meal is. Uh, actually, I'm not fast. Pick in, pick out, pick wherever you want. But what is your favourite meal? Uh, but uh, what's the best meal you've ever had? And if it's... If it's because of the food, great. If it's because of the company and the atmosphere, absolutely fine. So let us know what that is, and you can get in touch with us in the following ways. I just realised I calligraphy ink on my hands. Uh, so on Twitter, we're at Olakindness. On Facebook, if you search The Kindness Project, uh, we should come up. On uh, Google, it's The Kindness Project Podcast. The website, if you want to go to that directly, it's www.thekindnessproject.co.uk. If you want to email us, it's all at thekindnessproject.co.uk. And if you want to follow us on MySpace, why? What are you looking for? <laughs> Stay away from us, please. Um, <laughs> yeah. Good on MySpace. Um, but, um, yeah, you can find us anywhere, basically. Yeah, that's correct. That is, is correct. That is correct. We're, we're pretty much all over. We're all over the show. So, we're more haunting one, you. We're following you. In more, in more ways than one. So please do check out um, <laughs> Please do check out all of our previous podcast episodes. We've got hundreds now, literally hundreds that we've recorded uh, over the years um, uh, with some amazing guests. Check that out. Website's got merch on. Uh, so check that out as well if you'd like to and if you are a um, uh, fan of the Kindness Project and we know that thousands of you listen to us leave us leave us a review we'd love to hear from you uh, we'd love to hear what you think let us know what uh, what's going on in your world and on that note let's move on to Kindness News and the Kindness News article we've got um, today and Charlotte's going to read out is uh, Dad has his faith in humanity restored after a tall stranger knocks on his door. 
Andy Howe from Birkhead, I really hope I'm saying the name correctly, was left baffled when a tall stranger randomly knocked on his door and offered a surprise act of kindness by returning his lost wallet. Elena's told how he had had his faith in humanity restored following a surprise encounter when a stranger turned up at his front door. Andy Howe from Birkhead in the in the Wirral had just got home from the local pub. The, wi- the Wirral? Do you Wirral? mean Wirral? Wirral? Yeah. Like Squirrel? Yeah, it's, it's pronounced the rural. Okay. I just got home from the local pub. <laughs> That's how I read it. I, I was thinking wire, just... All oh, right, okay. Um, local pub Freddy's Bar, when he received a t- tall man, knocked on his door and asked if he was Andy. Um, I'd been to Freddy's Bar, New Ferry, to a, to a leaving get-together with my work friends from Autism Together. I brought my son Max with me because he we were getting picked up afterwards so I could drop my girlfriend off in Morton 37 year old told the Liverpool we're echo. getting a real flavour in this news article of the background as well I'm liking it when I'd left Freddy's I packed the pram and other bits in the boot of the car then dropped off my girlfriend when I'd gotten home there was enough on the door to then be met with a tall guy asking are you Andrew Howe my first my instant first thought was what have I done and I said yes is everything all right Fortunately, the support workers' worries were instantly eased and the tall stranger revealed he'd found Andy's wallet outside his home and used the address on the driver's licence to return it to him. He told me I'd drop my wallet outside his house near Freddy's bar and he'd come with his partner to drop it off as he got in my address off my licence. I was so grateful as my bank card plus my driver's cards were in it. I was even more surprised that someone would go totally out of their way to help a stranger. I couldn't thank him enough as I didn't even realise I dropped it. So this restored my faith in humanity and proved that there are good, honest people around us to have faith in in people. You know what? I genuinely think that most people would go out of their way to do something good. I I think that even though you you can look online for a lot of uh, negative um, news, a lot of the stuff that I see is, um, is effectively... Um, people doing good stuff in the world. And that might be, you know, uh, Facebook as an example. I see a lot of people giving away uh, their stuff to people who really need it, uh, supporting each other. So I suppose, you know, if we look hard enough, we can be in a position where we can find those examples of humanity helping each other. Mm -hmm. And weirdly, even though the sort of bad news tends to rise to the surface i think the majority of stuff that's going on in the world is good Mm -hmm. so um thank you for that amazing example and let's move on to the interview because this week we've got tamina mirza uh tamina came on the uh uh, and got interviewed by me a few weeks ago tamina does a lot in her communities uh to support those communities and has a portfolio of charity projects that she does uh, let's listen to Tamina talk about a lot of those let's do it hi Tamina how are you good morning Chris I'm very well thank you amazing and can I just say first of all that um normally when we've got a podcast guest there's two there's maybe one or two or even at the most three subjects to talk about when i looked at the amazing stuff you do in the world there's just so much i I suppose the first thing is how do you find the time 
Oh, uh, uh, um, yeah, that is, that is a problem. And I do find it difficult to say no to when it's something I'm interested in. And I suppose I'm just interested in anything and everything. And, and I get roped yeah. in. But I, I make the time and I don't sleep, Chris. That's the problem. <laughs> <laughs> well, I suppose, if, as you say, if it's if it's something that you're passionate about, if it's something you want to do, you yeah. do just make the time in your life, don't you? You Before just find something it. else. Yes, you do. Yeah. I don't watch TV as well. That's the other thing. <laughs> well, that 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 Pandemic. frees up a decent. That, yeah, that frees up a, a, a decent amount. Yeah. The first time I started watching TV was because of the pandemic, and I've discovered Gogglebox, and I love it. But that's the only thing I actually try and watch. <laughs> so the first TV show you got into was other people watching TV. <laughs> <laughs> it's the people, though. It's the people's comments that are funny, not on the programmes. Yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, I, you know what? I, I, I like a bit of Gogglebox. I think Gogglebox is a, is a great show. And you're right, it is about normal people and the way they just they're just it feels like they're sitting in their lounge doesn't yeah, it yes of course and the, the characters they're amazing all of them <laughs> yeah no i love it i love it so yeah not not watching telly um saves a decent amount of time I'd imagine. yes exactly <laughs> so so before we start talking about the amazing work you do tell us a bit about you um, okay, so my name's Tamina uh, Mirza. I live in Ilford, in East edge of East London. I'm an East London girl originally, and um, I'm, I'm actually my background is banking and finance, as you know. We've met over the years, um, and I, I worked for HSBC a good twenty years as branch manager, relationship manager. So I love East London and the businesses and the customers I've met, and I've stayed in there. I'm a financial broker now, so I. I still help businesses with their funding and their finance. And I did have more time during the pandemic because businesses weren't doing things. Um, yeah. And that's where I suppose I've sort of expanded and filled my time with all these other things. I think, I think interestingly, and we've spoken a lot on the podcast about this, the other thing that the pandemic, you know, uh, sort of brought into play is a bit of a change of perspective. I mean, certainly did for, did for me Definitely. because you realise sometimes how lucky you are, um, and and giving a bit back and and helping other people uh, uh, during that period of time. I think is has been so important. So, Definitely, uh, yeah. What what did you what did what, what did you sort of what what was the starting point during the pandemic for you thinking about sort of stuff? Um. Actually, as you said, appreciating what we already have, the fact that I've got green space and uh, I live close to Valentine's Park, that was my saviour. That was I was out every day because I was walking in the park, regardless of the once a day allowed and all the rest of it, because I was out on my own. So I don't understand why more people weren't out and about when we were locked up. So that was that was just to be in a good place for myself. Um, but it, it, I had more time on my hands to do other things. Some some of them project well, that I'm talking about was put on hold because of the pandemic but actually um, maybe this is not where you want to start but it's the supporting humanity the the mental um, health support that yeah. came into the fore because actually people were at home people were on their own people were living isolated didn't have contact with their loved ones and I got involved with um, supporting humanity as an emotional support volunteer but actually the cursor to that was the um, the burial trust where I was at the awards dinner last night for Neil Chamber, and they were one of the shortlists 
since Amazing. How did you get on? Oh, they didn't win, unfortunately. They, but they were the top three finalists in the civic and community engagement, okay. um, which I'd nominated them for. But that was all down to the trustees um, are working with the community for helping with um, burials and, fine, and, and funeral director-type work, all for free. But that experience actually came to the fore um people didn't believe things you know the death the number of deaths that are happening at the beginning of the pandemic but th that charity they they used to deal with maybe 15 funeral arrangements a month at the peak in january this year it was over 105 that's more than six seven times the deaths that they were used to seeing yeah um and that's a huge and, and the, challenge isn't it oh it was horrendous it was absolutely horrendous in terms of as well families were scared or weren't allowed to go to the hospitals or work couldn't be with their loved ones we heard all the horror stories of people dying alone and and they were able to arrange chaps chaplaincy services to make sure somebody was with their loved one families couldn't go to some funerals you may have heard if they were covid they weren't allowed to actually attend the yeah. burial yeah. and and volunteers had to do that but their experience they've got a huge team of volunteers about 150 men and women because in the muslim uh, funeral rites the body needs to be washed and shrouded yeah, um, and they're yeah. not buried in a coffin so the the graves are hand dug i've only found out this all out afterwards um, because as women we tend not to go uh, my community tend not to go to the cemetery it's it's just done at home and, then, and that's it yeah. um so they were there with the families or without the families attending to all the burial funeral arrangements actually um at the end you know end of life as well in the hospitals as necessary um, and then they were being they were helping other cemeteries all cemeteries could not cope they couldn't cope with they didn't have enough grave diggers they didn't have enough yeah. people maintaining the grounds they didn't have enough people just helping to transport bodies um and erect make funeral arrangements and that's where they came to the fore luckily it's calmed down but actually the figures are rising again yeah they're seeing yeah. an increased number these last few months and they're still expecting <coughs> that to rise over and, the I, I, and, and 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 as you said i mean i suppose that that charities had to evolve to cope with you know some of the mental health issues that we've faced during lockdown loneliness has been a a big challenge so talk to me a little bit about how the charity's been supporting that okay so so well, actually the, the supporting humanity came out of the burial trust because that was only for a specific community and and the supporting humanity is for everyone all okay. faiths and none um, and they and the trustees believed in the mental health so that's how they set up the mental health support line so at the moment it's available eight till eight um they're very good on their website and their instagram um but it's open to anybody so generally the six london boroughs are so Redbridge, Newham, Havering, uh, Waltham Forest, and is it Hackney? Um, but there's no limit. If somebody heard about the line and they called in, um, they would be more than welcome to phone in from wherever they were, yes. And, and that's exactly what it was set up for, just to provide a first point of contact. The NHS were overwhelmed um, and people have got long waiting lists. GPs aren't able to cope. So it was uh, it, that's exactly what it's for. First point of contact for people to ring, to be able to have somebody to talk to to even be able to provide some basic emotional support um, yeah. sessions um, and then if they do need onward referral we would help them via their gp and via the nhs but it's meant to be a type of stop gap initially yeah. there are some specialists and, and trained counselors on board and they would then carry on if if further help was needed and were you were you one of those first point of contact or were you supporting them in other ways? i am now so I, I am one of the emotional support volunteers so we did, we did our first batch of training in march and okay. the line the helpline went live in june so it's up and running now yes and, seven and, days and a week eight to eight 
um, and tell us a little bit about, um, and again, not breaking any confidentialities and, and, and making sure that we don't mention any names, but just help me understand a little bit about some of the conversations you're having and how you're helping those people. Um, okay, so uh, this one wasn't mine, this was a colleague. A lady's husband had passed away a few weeks ago and was finding it really difficult to cope. Um, so she ha happened to ring the helpline and it helped her to talk it through um, in terms of, I think we've provided six sessions of ongoing support. Um, and even the things I dealt with, I've had calls where I've done three to six sessions um, and various things, um, things that have happened in childhood and they and family issues um, but this, but even just some basic oh i didn't know where to turn to i heard about your line and it's just yeah. nice to be able to talk to somebody in well, look, i mean i'm not involved i think and again again it, it being it, for me it comes back to that gratitude uh, thing you know you know throughout lockdown um i was still working and mm -hmm. um i had the like some of my girls in the house and it, it was it was all good i even got to talk to my son every now and i oh, was no, sorry my brother every now and again didn't i russ <laughs> he's not coming on he's not going to get involved in, i can't i can't persuade him to get involved you did dad you did no. <laughs> No, you're so right, Chris, actually, because my daughter was home from university, you know, they're being forced back away. So it was so lovely to be together yeah. and yeah. to actually spend some then, quality but time. Then, yes. But then, you know, that 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 sort of uh, and, and 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 we've we've had this conversation on the podcast before, but that sort of tranche of people who are slightly older uh, and finding themselves in a position where they're saying, you know what? And particularly the individuals during lockdown where they might have lost their loved one recently and they're on their own for the time. It's got to be so tough. So oh, you know, definitely, up the yeah. phone and speak to somebody is just, we, I think sometimes when you've got busy lives, you forget how this simple stuff is so important. Do you know what I mean? Just having of course, a and, and I see it with my mother. She's a widow um, and she's on her own. And normally she'd go to her family in India over the winter a few months yeah. and, have, and her mental health has been badly affected where we were keeping her locked up in her house almost because we were doing the shopping for her she didn't actually get out and about as per normal yeah. um, and actually it did deteriorate and even yeah. though we tried as much as possible to be there if, if you're on your own you're living on your own you're elderly you're vulnerable um, you have health conditions you're isolating for whatever reason how horrendous was that for people yes yeah so i think i think i mean you're absolutely right you know just just helping people and guiding people through that process and doing what you can is is just so important uh, and i want to i want to i want to talk about a little bit more about the support and humanity pro project in a in a little while but let's have a conversation about one of my favorite subjects food right oh so, yes so talk to me about the um Diffimali food project oh you'd love that especially if you like indian food so yes so Tiffin Valley Food Project is um, a new and based volunteer-led project, and okay. I came across it because the lady who's one of the leads, um, I, I've known her for about 10-15 years from, she's a Newham nutritionist and, and done okay. a lot of community nutrition in Newham. So this is amazing, and, and my parents are from India originally. I suppose you take your heritage for granted. I don't, I didn't really appreciate anything, but it's only coming across this and all the other volunteers. There's myself, a, a local lady who's a, a DJ presenter, um, some older women, but a lot of them are PhD 
50 students and master's students in social history. And what a okay. fascinating subject. They're, they're looking at things like immigration and the cultures that people have brought into the UK and how it's all been blended and help them to assimilate into the UK way of life so, and so how it's become part of that life. So this project in particular, it's looking at ladies who came from the 1960s to 2000, so from Newham, yeah. um, all over the Indian subcontinent, so yeah. that includes India, Bangladesh, Nepal, uh, Mauritius, um, Afghanistan even, and um, and it's, it's about how they um, use their sort of home culture food to help integrate and to help sort of alleviate homesickness but also to recreate the food and the recipes here to make them feel less lonely and and of, of course now we're, what we'll also so what we're going to be doing is interviewing around 25 ladies um, and collecting about 100 recipes with the aim being to have a book of recipes published a big exhibition next year um, and we'll be archiving their audio um, history sort of the, to, to keep it for social history because these ladies, obviously, some of them are elderly now if they came in the 60s, um, and it, potentially it could be lost. And myself, first gen second generation here, I didn't really appreciate it. We just take it for granted. That's how my mum cooked. Um, and it's, it's also about people like myself and the next generation, fusion food, how things have been adapted to yeah, taste yeah. for the younger generation or just adapt for the ingredients. So we're in the middle of that pandemic has delayed it because we want to um, do the archive audio interviews and we haven't been able to get into people's homes but that's trained we've, we've had oral history training um, we've met some fascinating people so the trainer was doing he was his background was interviewing people like from the holocaust survivors or elderly people from world war two and um, some some amazing knowledge that i've gained that i didn't i wasn't even aware of before so, so there's a lady we've had on the podcast before, actually, she was one of our first ever interviews about three or four years ago when we started the Kindness Project, okay. um, a lady called Chris Laney, and one of her projects, she works in Bargain and Dagnum and, and Havery, and one of, the, one of her projects was a, uh, uh, a project designed to capture the stories of people in their late 70s, early 80s and 90s. Do you think about it? You know, if we don't capture those stories, that social history is lost, isn't it? You know, it, it just... It just uh, yes, um, definitely. So, and, and and social history of ordinary people, because what, yeah, in the past, yeah, yeah. it's always been the, the senior kings and politicians, queens and, kings and yeah, queens. Yeah, but yeah, actually, yeah. this fabric of... So, even the dock, dock, you know, from the dockers from the Docklands, all and the miners, and, and all these kind yeah. of people that's that's fading away and in, in this new tech well, revolution. It, I mean, it, it's yes. funny, because my dad's, my dad's a docker, and uh, oh. after speaking to Chris, Chris, oh, oh, he's not a dog anymore, he's retired, but after speaking to Chris, I went to my dad and said, I'd like to capture um, some of your stories um, so I can I can um, pass it on and, and just and just have this thing. Because the weird oh, thing well is, running, yes. running, running the podcast, I've sort of started that for, you know, I, I host the podcast with Charlotte, my daughter, and, and we get to share the stories of what's going on yeah. in our lives. Oh, that's awesome. So one... That is so much fun. And actually, as you said, not just for your own personal family history, but to keep that for prosperity. And actually, yeah. my mother is going to, going to be one of my interviewees. Well, so, I mean, yeah. to be honest, Mina, I did say to my dad, uh, would you like to do this? And he said, I don't know if any of my stories are actually publishable um, anyway. So he's not agreed to it yet, but I'm still working on it. But what I love, oh, about, what I love about the idea 
is the fact that it involves food. You know, that just concept of culture through food. Right. So, Chris, so when we do the exhibitions, because there'll be two more launch events and, and there was lots of food on dis, uh, on to taste and sample, so I'll have I'm to there. make sure I remember you for your I'm, invitation. I'm definitely there. We had a... We had a, Rush, do you remember the uh, name of the lady who runs the Nepalese charity that we had on? Oh. I'm going to check oh. now. Yeah, so we had, we had a lady who runs a charity in Nepal <laughs> who effectively had a um, had a curry day. And they said, yeah. if you want to find out, I hadn't in, interviewed her at that point. She got introduced to me <laughs> and she said, if, you, um, if you'd like to, to come down to this curry event, it was on a Friday lunchtime in uh, Vauxhall, come down, you can taste some of the food. I was mm. like, I'm there. You know, don't, um, I love the as soon as, no as, soon as they yeah. food. But, but what was funny, it was, it was all Nepalese curries, and it, I mean, the food was incredible. Enjoy, um, yes. But they, they, they did have a Scotch bonnet curry paste on Ooh. on uh, display, which was super hot. Um, and she would just have a little bit. I was like, no, I'm fine, you know, sort of, I'll, I'll have a bit more. But Scotch bonnet curry paste, I'm okay. So, you know, trust me, just have a little bit. And I'm glad I just had a little bit. <laughs> That's not for me. I, I'm, ser- I'm terribly bad at you. Not a, are you not no, a hot, hot food rubbish. lover? Really, I'm such no. a wuss, yeah, no, rubbish yeah. for them. But, but, but tell <laughs> us a little bit about why you think the food element is so important. I was just going to say, so even when we were younger, and, and whether it was normal daily food or occasions like Eid or, um, you know, celebrations, things have already changed. So my mum used to make all these um, special food um, that that were not necessarily intricate, but it was traditional. And and has it died out? Because yes, I saw it growing up. I haven't replicated that with my mum. And even just some of the implements. So we we had a heritage table. I think I sent you some photos of of a particular exhibition at Stratford Town Hall. And I remember that growing up, but it was all thrown away. It was all the traditional things for making um, jalebi, if you know what that is, the sweet, um, sweet, sweet, um, syrupy sort of dessert thing. But it's the sev as well, the chickpea flour that's then fried and then made into all sorts of different um, ingredients and, and sweet puris. My mum had these wooden, wooden like, a, like a, a board, but imprinted with a flower design. We used to roll a okay. small amount of pastry, so the flower design would come up and then you fry that puri gotcha. and, you know, make different colours. I have no idea where these wooden things have gone because they've all disappeared and we've chucked everything out. And pe- people have kept some things and it just trying to cook. We were just approaching friends and family. Have you got anything from, you know, from 20, 30 years ago? And that's how we made that collection. We, people did have enough to show the old tools and the old implements and either they don't do them anymore or they've it's just gone already relegated to history. So as far, as it was an amazing nostalgic is- look. Mm. I, I, I suppose the other big thing is food is about family, isn't it? It's about sharing. Yes. It's about culture, community, and and you know the, a lot of those events, you know, sort of uh, revolve around eating. You know, it's, it, it uh, does. And your families, as you said, families get together, and especially for my, I, I don't know if this was in, in my family's custom or my mum, we would always. So it doesn't matter if she made biryani, if she made things for Eid, we we would make up a platter. Yeah. Um, to send to the neighbours, regardless yeah. of what nationality or, or religion they were. So our neighbours, my in my original when I was growing up in Manor Park, um, my mother's best friend was from Jamaica, and, and she loved roti, um, and my mum would be always um, sending food over there. And our other neighbours were Hindu, and we would do, they, they, they had, the mother didn't eat um, meat, but we would make sure we'd send all the vegetarian things. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, it was just sharing, sharing with your yeah. neighbours, your community, and we didn't have any family. And, and 
unusual for many Asian Indian families. It literally just was my parents and my brother and my sisters. So for us, our neighbours and our community was everything. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And and I, I think you know, food, food and drink grosses divides, doesn't it? Because it sort of <laughs> it allows yes. you to. It's it's a very social element. Well, that was part one of Tamina's uh, uh, interview. I uh, hope you enjoyed it. We've got part two next week. Yep. And let's move on uh, to your favourite bit. Tis the end of another podcast, but the end is never really the end because the end is always the beginning of something entirely new. And the new question of the podcast that isn't new because it's out because it's last week was what skill uh, have you yet to learn but you'd love to learn? Um, And I'd I'd like to learn to play the piano properly. I need to get lessons. That's on my to-do list for 2022. Mm -hmm. I'm also currently using Duolingo. Can sponsor us if you want Duolingo um, uh, to um, learn French. Nice. Um, so nice, isn't it? Um, but yeah, that that is. <laughs> it's, I'm going to be 18 and still saying that. Nice, isn't it? Probably have Alzheimer's by then and say <laughs> saying it like nice, isn't it? Might do a triple away. Sorry. Yeah. So, uh, well, what I'd like to do is learn French and play the piano. And there's a few people who have. Uh, asked, uh, told us what they'd like to do. Steve Dan said he'd like to play the guitar. The Rain Hornsby said she'd love to learn sign language. Oh, I'm with you there. You know what? I think learning sign language is an amazing one. Serena van der Mullen Taylor um, uh, said I'd love to learn sign language too. Mike Christie aims to run 10 miles. Sandra Connington's learning French and she'd like to be fluent. Um, Hayley Ball says I'd like to cook proper, proper stuff and look make it look like it actually looks like in cookbooks mine tastes right but it looks like an absolute mess <laughs> stacy Kane, spanish sign language it is an interesting one hieroglyphics i tried to learn um nor the you know the north symbols i tried to learn what each of them meant but it took yeah. uh, lee robertson's got a good one as well he'd like to learn how to butcher meat Nice, like that one. Sam Kane said, speaking Spanish for when she travels through South America in a few years. And Justin Gavby said, play the cello. Ralph Lawton said, a slightly odd one for me, but Tunisian crochet. I could do normal style, but not Tunisian. And it makes a very different and interesting looking fabric. Um, and she got, sent us a little photo of her crochet project. So all good. Oh, very, very heed looking, aren't they? Yeah. Very, get, very comfy, cozy. Mm-hmm. Nice, isn't it? Um, and that's it for today, ladies that's and gents. That's going to follow me talking um, <laughs> uh, That's uh, another episode of, of the podcast. Have a lovely day, and we'll see you on the podcast soon. Bye. Bye.